Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we're continuing a series of interviews that we're conducting at the National Congress of American Indians. The venue is Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It is the fall of 2017. And we're talking now with Bob Parrish. Bob is uh, someone who's got uh, some impressive credentials as far as the area of health and health education. He's a registered nurse. He has a master's in public health, and he has special certification in addiction work. Bob, it's great to have you with us. Great to be here today. Bob, you have been a guest on American Indian Living in the past. You also, here at this present venue, are coordinating something that I think is uh, very exciting. It's a screening booth. In fact, I think it may be the largest booth here at NCAI. Tell us exactly what's going on over there. What we're doing, uh, Dr. David, is that we're offering um, people that are coming here to the Congress uh, an opportunity to find out, you know, where their blood sugar is today, what their blood pressure is. And uh, some people have totally not aware of um, how high it may have been. Mm-hmm. You know, we've checked a number of people today in the twos and the three hundreds, and some of them had no idea that there was any issue there at all. Wow. So we're just so grateful to be here as a tool to help other people realize where they are and, and then be able to take some steps because, you know, we also have a, a noted physician here as well working in our booth to offer our guidance. Now, that is not a reference to me. I mean, some of you might say, oh, this is a subtle reference to me. No, but it's another noted physician who actually, interestingly, has the same last name as me. That's right. Yeah, so my Dr. wife. Dr. Sonia DeRose. That's right. So Sonia is over there working, and if you uh, haven't met her, well, maybe come to National Congress next year. She might be in the same role. We hope so. Let's talk, Bob, about the theme of the show today. The theme of the show is personal commitment to a healthy lifestyle. And here's why I'm so interested in the topic. Many times we find health professionals, they're talking to people about being healthier, but they're not really walking the walk. You are someone who has been teaching a lot about healthful living over the years, and uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Have you been practicing what you preach, if you will? I have to say, you know, in humility, yes, I have all my life. You know, the high school that I went to offered a vegetarian diet. Really? And uh, I had friends that uh, ran on the beach, you know, near Uh the school. And I just thought that was a great thing to get up and do in the morning. So just started down that road. Then when I uh, got married at 21, my wife and I just said, we've had this diet and we've been down this way. Let's just keep doing that. And uh, so we stayed on that road. And as I was mentioning to you earlier, 50 years later, here's this guy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't set out to be the person that I am, but I've ended up because of the choices that I've made. I'm not overweight. I don't have high blood pressure. I'm not a diabetic. I'm still physically active. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still a runner. And that means a lot to me because it has been a part of my life all the way along. Now, is it safe to say that you're over 50? Actually, I'm 67. 
Okay. And can't believe that. I, I never thought I would ever say that number, but uh-huh. it's there. And in a way, I kind of say, does it work to do those kinds of things? Well, just check me out. I'm one piece of evidence along the way that there are good results when you do the right thing. Now, you are an enrolled tribal member, correct? In Northern California. And your tribal background is what? Uh, There are three tribes that are related along the uh, Northern California coast. They they all have uh, common heritage. They're Wiat tribes, three different tribes. And our, our family heritage goes back into at least one of those groups. Okay. So you're Native. You've worked among Native peoples. I know at one point uh, when I was doing some work in Arizona, you were working with tribes out there. I think you were actually lived in Arizona for a That's period right. of time. That's right, yeah. Now you're back in California, correct? Right. So you've got this experience. You ate simply. You exercise regularly. A lot of people would say, well, these are, are Native cultural practices. So you were living, and some might say, well, I mean, come on. He was a vegetarian. I don't know many natives who are vegetarians. We always eat some wild game or fish. But, but the point is you were eating these simple foods that First Nation peoples ate lots of historically, right? That's correct. So when you work with other native people, does that give you a level of credibility, you feel, because of your own lifestyle that you wouldn't have otherwise, or... Is that just a bonus? Really doesn't make much difference. I see it as credibility because it seems like most of the science that's coming out today really suggests that it maybe it didn't used to be that way. So much science today is saying when you eat the simple fruits, grains, nuts, vegetables, when you have you know, normal physical activity, you're going to benefit from it mm-hmm. you know, because you're not eating the processed foods the foods that have the additives and the extra fat and the other things that uh, over a period of time will be a detriment in some way to the lifestyle. Here you're able to say, after 50 years, my health is good, I'm still active, I'm not in a wheelchair, I don't have diabetes, I'm not on dialysis. Now, and that's not to be critical of anyone who has ended Correct. up down that path. You, Like you said, you had the good fortune of catching that vision for a healthier lifestyle younger. But others are listening. They maybe can't run. They've had an amputation. Maybe they've uh, lost some of their vision. Is it too late for some people to embrace a healthy lifestyle? You know what? I think it is valuable. Every step that someone makes in a healthy direction there's going to be a benefit for. Hmm. And uh, like someone said a long time ago, it's never too late to start. Okay. Oh, never too late to take another step. You know what I mean? And uh, our, our life is worth something. And uh, as we um, take positive steps, there's actually a psychological side to that as well. You hmm. know what I mean? I've noticed a number of times when I'll make a better choice rather than, you know, an unhealthy choice, maybe in some article of food or something like that. There is a an internal, a personal feeling. You know what? I know I did the right thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's that spiritual or internal 
uh, feeling I, I did the right thing, and, uh, and I know I did. Let's talk about some of the stories that come out of your own work helping people along this path of a healthier lifestyle. I know you've been active in that. Can you tell us some things that would encourage others to not only embrace healthy lifestyle choices but also to share them with other people? I recently met a man that's probably somewhere in his 60s, mm-hmm. and he was attending a seminar that, uh, that was being put on in our area that had a lot to do with uh, including natural foods, mm-hmm. raw foods as many. Th- and you could make so many things out of raw foods that it's just unbelievable. But um, he had uh, been to his doctor and he had recently had a stent placed in one of his coronary arteries. Mm-hmm. And his doctor was saying, look, you need to make some changes in your life. Okay. He started coming to some of our classes, uh-huh. and you know what? He just began to radiate. Hmm. It's just like he's he's saying, "I am doing those things now. I'm I'm eating that way. I'm getting my activity." You know, I just saw this. You know, when someone is telling you that firsthand, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I am eating. I'm starting to eat that way now. When I made it, it didn't quite turn out like it did at the program. You know right, what I mean? Right. So what did I do wrong? But when people begin to take that step, there's just something internal that happens Hmm. that I'll just say maybe in some way they start to radiate a better positive attitude Mm -hmm. because what else could happen? Mm -hmm. And then I know that he's being an example to other people as well. But it's just exciting to see someone else who uh, who needed to make some important changes, actually making those changes. And we can do that at any age. Now, this is such a powerful message. It is really never too late to embrace healthier lifestyle habits. And like you're saying, we can benefit from them. It doesn't matter whether we're in our 20s, whether we're in our 60s, whether we're in our 80s. We can enjoy the benefits of a better lifestyle. Every step in a healthy direction is going to uh, bring positive results. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tell us about some of the particular diseases in your experience as a registered nurse and health educator that seem especially, well, especially treatable, if you will, with natural lifestyle therapies? Well, probably one of the biggest ones would be diabetes really Uh responds well to uh, eating a a simple plant-based diet and including more activity that's probably one of the biggest uh-huh. ones that I have seen that and and while I haven't experienced I haven't seen a lot of people on that I've heard a lot of stories mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've seen a, a lot of reports that have been made I've listened to personal testimonies on the internet of right, people right right and I feel a like I'm a part of that group that can just simply say you know it has worked for me uh-huh. and I never I didn't set out to do that but right. now I look back and say, oh, look, I guess I'm some kind of an example. Uh, humbly, I say that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know? I think it is powerful because you look throughout Indian country and many of my native listeners realize that historically we have data that goes back to around 1900, little or no diabetes in Indian country. And clearly before European contact, it seems that there was none. But even, like I said, as recently as 100, 120 years ago, 
no diabetes, very little diabetes, and now we have these epidemic rates in Indian country, and you look at what's changed, and more than anything, the change has come in the area of lifestyle. So people are, in many places, living, quote, a better life. And I'm not, um, not speaking against some of the advancements in Indian country, but to me it's unfortunate that many First Nation peoples have embraced the poor dietary choices of other cultures and the poor dietary choices that the media really, uh, you know, Madison Avenue, if you will, marketing, has really exposed the North American populace to regardless of whether they're native That's or right. non-native. I've got a question for you. Sure. A big part of my life has been physical activity, uh-huh. although I never set out to, to have physical activity. But along the way, I just started enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are people that don't. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if you had something that you could share in the area of physical activity and the benefits uh, and the different um, avenues that somebody could start mm-hmm. or use to increase the benefits that they could get from that area? No, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, of course, Bob, you know one of the things that I've been working a lot with lately is high blood pressure. And it's very interesting to look at the research on exercise and high blood pressure. So it does have a blood pressure-lowering effect. And most people historically thought, well, that's exercise like walking or running or swimming, the so-called aerobic exercises. But even exercises that are focused more on strength training like weightlifting, these things actually can help a person lower their blood pressure. Now, the the crazy thing about exercise when it comes to blood pressure is that actually in the short term, while you're exercising, your blood pressure actually goes up. So a lot of people get confused about it. But to speak more to your question, when it comes to exercise's benefits, and by the way, this is true with diabetes and with other metabolic problems, it doesn't seem that there's just one magic exercise. So it's this general approach to regular exercise, doing something on a daily basis that is especially powerful. And in particular, it seems that making a very consistent practice to it, I recommend to people that they exercise on a daily basis. I really want to talk more about exercise. I know you've got other things that you want to share, Bob, but our time has pretty much slipped away for this segment. We are going to come back with more from American Indian Living from here in Milwaukee at the National Congress of American Indians. If you're enjoying the dialogue with Bob Parrish, even with Bob, well, kind of turning the tables and putting me uh, on the spot, I think there might be more of that to come in the next segment. We will be back with more on American Indian Living. Stay tuned right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it. But it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit responding. 
respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm with Bob Parrish. Bob is a registered nurse who also has a master's in public health degree. Bob and I have been talking about the power of example, the power of physical lifestyle, and Bob had been sharing about his dietary practices and his exercise practices. And we most recently, before the break, were talking about physical activity. And Bob, as we were speaking there at the break, it reminded me about something we were fascinated by some few years ago. I wrote a book called Evading Ebola. And let's put it this way, it is not my best-selling resource today. I mean, people feel like Ebola, that's off the radar screen. But we're really interested because when everyone was all worried about what the government was or wasn't doing and, you know, the risk of uh, people traveling and coming to our communities, we were actually looking at the research on lifestyle and what it could do for immunity. And we found something very interesting. We found the medical literature suggests there are thousands of people in Africa who've been exposed to the Ebola virus but never got sick. I see. And as we looked at lifestyle practices that enhanced immunity, we found one of the consistent ones was, was exercise. And if you look here in the United States, you know, with common viral illnesses like the cold or, or influenza, the flu, researchers at Appalachian State University not all that long ago looked at a large cross-section of the adult population, and they basically found that regular exercise decreased their risk of these potentially, I don't want to say serious, they are potentially serious, colds and flu, but for most people they just kind of, you know, get sick and shrug it off. But you and I both know that influenza can be life-threatening and is for tens of thousands of people, especially elderly adults. But here's my point. 
decreasing the risk of those diseases some 50% just with exercise alone. That's not to talk about diet and other lifestyle practices. So I think you're, you're right on when you're highlighting the power of exercise. Have you noticed that in your own life? Do you seem to be less susceptible to illness with your regular uh, running routine? I would just have to say that it, that's a part of the surprise that mm-hmm. has come along the way that uh, uh, I'm almost always in regular exercise and almost never have any flus or colds mm-hmm. or runny noses and, uh, or, you know, head colds or anything uh-huh. like that. It's just when it's not coming your way, you kind of don't realize it. You mm-hmm. see it in other people. And, mm-hmm. But uh, that's just from a personal experience. It's just um, it's a blessing to not be susceptible to those things mm-hmm. as much as others would be. So tell us a little bit about your own routine. What does it look like? I mean, you said you're exercising most every day. Is that correct? You know, really, I have been a three-day-a-week. Oh, okay. That's, okay. Where I, that's where I've been. Uh, once in a while, it might have been a four-day-a-week. Okay. But really, it's kind of like an every-other-day. Mm-hmm. That's where I've been almost all my life. Okay. And it's always been either a three-mile, I'll say run, uh-huh. but uh, this is not a race. Okay, fair enough. I'm plodding along. You know, my pulse might be in the 120s. Okay. Maybe it's in the 130s if, you know, if I'm headed up a hill or something like that's that. That's your heart rate, beating 130 times a minute. Right. So, you know, that's far from racing down the road. Yeah. Where you're in maybe in the 170s or 180s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, by the time you're doing that for a half an hour, or 40 minutes or something like that. And that's mm-hmm. about how long it's taken me okay. to get through the four miles. Okay. I mean, I am pepped up for the day. And I've noticed, you know, there's a number of things that you mm-hmm. realize along mm-hmm. the way. And that is your sinuses clear out. Mm. And uh, you're not coughing. I play the guitar a little bit. And so mm-hmm. I sing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I noticed and physiologically, I don't know what's going on. But, you know, after my run... It's like I've been singing for an hour and my voice is warmed up. Okay, okay. So there's things like that that, you know, I've just found to be a tremendous benefit for the day. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mental clarity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, that goes beyond the days when I didn't. So I think I have room to do more. Okay, okay. So basically what I hear Bob describing is not a complicated program. He's talking about what may amount to, well, sounds like not more than three hours a week. Is that right? Right. Definitely. Okay. So less than three hours a week of what I think most everyone would agree is relatively moderate exercise. No claim to fame on my part. Probably in my whole lifetime, I've done three half marathons and I wasn't ready for them. I just thought, well, I I need to do this. And... uh, but it's not a, even that is not, you know, a regular thing that I include. I'm just a regular jogger down the road. Mm-hmm. And that's been the way it's been for a long time. Now, Northern California, Arizona, a lot of people are listening. We've got people that listen from the Northern Plains, for example. We've got people in Canada who tune in, people in Alaska. And some folks are saying, well, sure, I could exercise three days a year. Uh, but three days a week, that might be a bit much. No, I'm exaggerating. But my point is, they might say, well, three days a week, that's attainable, that's doable in some of those warmer climates, but I don't have the privilege of doing that because 
the climate where I'm at is not conducive to running mm-hmm. three days a week throughout the year. Have you run up against people that have said things like that? Uh, no, I haven't. But I would just say walk. Okay. If you can't, if it doesn't seem like, or if the climate doesn't seem to be, you know, promoting, you know, it's too hot or, uh-huh. or maybe it's too rugged. Okay, okay. Uh, walk. Okay. And take a little more time and uh, adjust you know, your abilities and the environment mm-hmm. and the benefit will still be there. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's a great point. And I can think of myself having visited some of those various people or in, in their, their communities where they thought it was unattainable to exercise. And a lot of times uh, my mind goes back to a statement I heard years ago. and It was relating to exercise and it went like this. There's no such thing as bad weather. Oh. Only bad clothing. Oh. <laughs> so I you see. might say, well, that's a bit of an exaggeration. You don't want someone to run in the middle of a thunderstorm, do you? Well, no. Or a hurricane? No, no. But the whole point is, many times, if we just, like, speaking of winter exercise, if a person would just bundle up enough. That's right. They could still get out there. They could enjoy it. They could learn to ice skate or cross-country ski. I mean, take that with a grain of salt depending on how old you are and how much you've done. But I really think you're giving a message that we need to hear, and that is exercise is not a luxury. It's not something you do at a certain point in your life. It's not just that you play some sports when you're a kid. But exercise is really all about living and living longer, isn't it? Yes, it is. And, you know, I'll just share a couple things that I do Uh along the way that really helps and that is I always hydrate myself well 30 to 45 minutes before I mm, run. That's good. So that's that, good. The, you know, the muscles, I have a full hydration. I carry a stick with me because there are dogs along mm. the way. You know what I mean? That's a great idea. And, yeah, great uh, idea. So I'm just not going to be left without anything, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, along the way. Yeah. And that's part of adjusting to the environment around. Mm-hmm. Even though right now I live in the country, it could be a, it's an ideal place, you might say. There's mm-hmm. great environment. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody, or the, the, my neighbors say there's mountain lions, there's coyotes, and there's bears. Uh-huh. So what are you going to do? Stop. Mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get me a little pepper spray, mm-hmm. okay, and I'm going to okay. carry a stick, okay. and I'm going to ask the creator to help me because I'm trying to do the right thing. So here's my question. Does it seem like the creator has helped you more to avoid those situations, or have you had to use a lot of sticks and pepper spray over the years? haven't used the pepper spray yet, but I do carry a nice little stick, and I don't leave home without it, uh-huh. and I've only had to use it once. Really? Well, that actually sounds pretty good. That sounds like an answer to prayer to me, because uh, in a lot of places there are animals, and sometimes, I'll be honest with you, it's the domestic animals that are the most challenging that's right. person's pet dog that's just loose and sees you running by the house, decide that doesn't look right, and instead of saying, hey, you, you know, go somewhere else, they uh, have a different way of communicating, don't they? We should always exercise caution. Okay. That's just the, the point of wisdom, that if there was something dangerous in the environment, we're going to take precautions. Mm-hmm. So. So, Bob, you have a personal experience that you have seen the Creator both guide you in and bless you with so that you're enjoying a measure of health that seems to be better than most people who have uh, reached your age. 
at 67, the statistic in the United States, for those who are listening, if they're curious, is roughly 67% of those who tune in will have had a diagnosis of high blood Mm. pressure. So you're beating the odds. Before we close out this segment, any final motivating thoughts? If someone's been listening, they're saying, well, I just don't think this is right for me. I don't know. What would you tell them? Uh, take one step in the right direction. Take just one step. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk for five minutes or ten minutes mm-hmm. or something. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Don't, mm-hmm. don't think you have to kill yourself. Just take, start things measured. Get the check from your doctor. Good, if you, whatever medical conditions you may have, talk with him. You know, let him suggest some ideal things, mm-hmm. some measured steps to take along the way. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be foolish and think you're still, you know, 15 years old and you can do anything you want in the world. Right, right. Well, great points, Bob. Thank you so much for sharing your testimony. My pleasure. We've got more coming up in the next segment of American Indian Living. We'll continue with programming from the National Congress of American Indians in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Don't go away. A lot more to come. I'm Dr. DeRose. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call one 800 775 hope that's 1-800-775-4673 so you want to be a hero here are some ways to get the job hunt down that killer shark or run into a burning house to save a kitten luckily there's an easier way to become a hero call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking walking or seeing stroke know the signs Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org. Or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute, since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live united. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. Dr. DeRose, back with you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's NCAI 2017, and we've got another familiar visitor in our virtual booth here in the exhibit hall. You've heard from uh, a number of folks like Bob Parrish who've been on previous shows. Well, Barb Anderson, sitting across from me, is also a past guest on American Indian Living. Yes. Barb, you joined me. We were looking through the archives together a little while ago, some three years ago at an NCAI event. You are someone who is, uh, well, you got deep roots in Indian country. You're Chippewa, Turtle Mountain Band. Correct. And very active at the University of North Dakota. Tell us a little bit about that connection. Well, currently I'm the coordinator for a program called RAIN, that is Recruitment Retention of American Indians into Nursing at the University of North Dakota. We are part of the College of Nursing and Professional Disciplines there. Our program is funded by Indian Health Service, and we recently received another grant from the Health Resources Services Administration, a Nursing Workforce Diversity Grant. Wow. And we provide support services for American Indians going into nursing. We've been at UND since 1990. That is tremendous. Well, congratulations on the recent round of funding. I know that's one of the things that kind of... Makes or breaks the program. Yeah, it does. And (laughs) and we're in that same boat with American Indian Living. We have, you know, some gracious foundations that have have helped us over the years. So so we understand that whole dynamic. I've been excited about your program since first hearing about it. And I don't know if it was first there at NCAI a few years back, but... I've just been excited because you're really there on the front lines helping First Nation peoples get their foot in the door, if you will, in the area of nursing and then really stick with programs. Because over the years, I know one of the challenges with Native American youth is they'll go away to the big university and, I don't know, for lack of a better word, get kind of get lost there. Absolutely. Tell that, us, that is yeah. one of the best, I think, uh, we have a mentor model that we've created at our mm-hmm. program. And like I said, we've been there since 1990, and the director and I together have approximately um, 70 years of experience working with wow. American Indian youth in recruitment and retention. And the model we use is we have a staff available for the students. We try to give them a feeling of a home away from home, mm-hmm. if you will. We have uh, two nurse mentors on staff. We have a writing mentor on staff. We actually have... Um, part of our HRSA grant, a prospective student academic advisor who will actually, Mm. you can call in. We have live chat where students could call in and get assistance with applying for the university, applying for financial aid, actually kind of a step-by-step guideline to get them into the university. And once they're there, we do keep um, very close tabs on our Uh students. uh We actually, it's, it's... it sounds funny to keeping close tabs on the students, but we do find that's important because, like you said, oftentimes students get lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. And coming from an American Indian community into a university that's 93% Caucasian, mm-hmm. it sometimes takes a little courage to just leave home and venture that far into a community that you're not familiar with. And we actually, you talked about foundation funding. We actually just get received a foundation funding from the Otto Bremer Foundation. Mm-hmm to do a orientation session for incoming and new students. It's actually, we call it our no excuses. So within this four days, we bring students to campus. We pay for a room for them at a local hotel. Uh We bring them to uh, our offices, give them a tour of campus, give them a tour of the nursing program, show them where the financial aid office is, where the library is, just kind of a general overview of what to expect when you're in college. 
have them look at their financial aid, do a budget so they know what it's going to cost to live and what tuition is and all of that. Just kind of a, a orientation so they have no excuses mm-hmm. not to go to class or okay. not to know where to go when they do need assistance with something. Also provides an opportunity for them to get to know one another. So when you see it's for pre-nursing and for semester nursing students. So when you see someone in class, you can say, oh, yeah, I know that person. So mm-hmm. at least you know one person mm-hmm. in a class of mm-hmm. 200. Mm-hmm. So that's another good asset for our program. Out of Bremer, we also have funding through Gertrude A. Skelly Foundation, which helps us provide assistance to pre-nursing students because our federal grant funds are only for students once they're in the nursing program. I see. So someone who could maybe get accepted into the school there, into the university, but not into the nursing program yet, they could access some of those funds as a Native American student? As a student within the RAIN program, correct. Mm -hmm. We have those... um, Skelly Foundation funding is used for actually for pre-nursing students and also for any unmet student needs. You sometimes have students who have family obligations, a death in the family, Mm -hmm. and they simply don't have the funds maybe to Mm -hmm. travel back home to Mm -hmm. attend the funeral. So that's where that extra additional funding comes in. We're able to utilize some of those funds. We also use those funds to assist students if they have uh, daycare closure, for example, and they need to get to class for a test and their daycare is closed that day, mm-hmm. we have a drop-in daycare center that we will pay for. Or if their car breaks down and they can't, you know, middle of winter in Grand Forks, North Dakota, mm-hmm. that happens. Okay. <laughs> Cars don't start. So we have a cab company that we have a contract with that will allow us to, they can call the cab and we'll pay for the, really? the cab to get them to class. No excuses, our motto. Well, you know, I was thinking about this and thinking of obstacles for students to actually pursue a dream that they may have to go into a healthcare career. And I know we have a lot of listeners from, well, you'd say warmer parts of the country than the Northern Plains. And I know for some of them, even the prospect of going to a North or South Dakota or Minnesota, I mean, that sounds pretty daunting, but you're really making it as easy as possible, Absolutely. aren't you? Absolutely. Not only that, just remember when it's cold outside, it's nice to sit inside and study. <laughs> you have no excuses. <laughs> you know, it actually is interesting. Right. Having uh, Having spent some of my academic career in uh, Minnesota and Michigan, I actually did notice that some of my uh, most productive times were, were in the winter. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Another interesting thing a lot of people don't realize as a physician, if you have allergies... Many times in the winter months, you feel much better than in the springs and falls. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the pollen is <laughs> frozen. I don't know what it is. It's just not there. Not as bad. So, Barbara, talk to someone who right now, they're listening to the show. They could be an elder with a grandchild who's wondering about what to do with their future. They could be a parent who has a, a teenage son or daughter who may be thinking about a healthcare career. Maybe it's a student listening in right now, and they're saying, I'm in high school. I would love to go on and get training in nursing or some related health field, but I just don't know where to start. Now, in listening to you, it sounds as if they could almost just pick up the phone right now and talk with someone at your program. Am yes, I they can. Right? We have an academic uh, prospective student advisor. Her name is Kara Anderson, and her telephone number is 701-777-3049. Well, that, that went by awfully quick. 701 okay. is the area code. Correct. 777-3049. Uh-huh. So 
You, and mm, let ahead. me let me talk to any student out there, anyone actually who wants to go into nursing. Nursing is one of the careers that is very much in demand across the United States right mm, now. Mm. It is a career that can take you anywhere. It's not just in a hospital or clinic setting. You could be a nurse on a travel cruise ship, a travel mm. nurse. You, you can write your own ticket, if you will, and don't ever let the idea that you can't afford to or that you really don't want to be someplace stop you. You can do whatever you would like to do. It just takes baby steps. So take the first step, make the call, and say, I'd like to be a nursing student. Or I have a grandson who wants to be in the nursing program. Mm-hmm. We can send you the information. We can assist you. If you've had some college uh, classes somewhere along the line, we can do a transcript evaluation for you. Um, we're there to help. We try to make our students, again, feel like they're at home. And Deb and I are both from tribal communities, so we know what it's like. Well, when we were growing up, we didn't have any American Indian nurses in our Indian Health Service facilities. So mm. our program is there to get our facilities staffed with people from our community so that they'll go back and they'll be there to assist our communities at, in a very real way in health care whenever they need it from cradle to grave. Right, right. Well, that is such a tremendous service. If you're tuning in today to American Indian Living, you're listening to Barb Anderson. Barb is the coordinator uh, of the program, right? Correct. Uh, it's your official title, the program that's called RAIN, Recruitment and Retention of American Indians into Nursing. It's based at the University of North Dakota. You are a licensed social worker as well, right? Yes. So you're actually paving the way for many First Nations young people to get that important health care career training. Now, I say young people. What is the oldest student who's been enrolled in the RAIN program? We've had students that have their children grown up and they come back to school. Just my own personal story is that uh-huh. I didn't finish my degree until 2010, which was just a few years ago. Wow, but as a, really? Yes. Um, okay. You know, raised my family, and once uh-huh. they were grown up, I went back, and we could take one course per semester at UND, so I've been uh-huh. doing that all along and while I've been employed there, and I uh-huh. got the degree and received a social worker license in Great. 2015. Tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous. So it's, you're never too old. That's another one of our philosophies. If you have the desire to do it, if you have children, as my boss always says, Deb Wilson, don't ever let your children stand in the way. Don't <laughs> ever put that burden on them because that's the reason you need to go back to school. Ah. That's the reason you need to be a nurse if that's what you want to be. So I've heard this so many times. People will say, well, I was going to do something, but I got married, then I had kids. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is really that's an excuse, and you're yeah, blaming absolutely. your kids right. for not doing really what you might be called to do. Exactly. And you're saying... No excuses is our motto. <laughs> it's sinking in. It's really sinking in. You guys really not only just have a motto, but you believe in this. Absolutely. I think that's why our program has been so successful is we do believe in what we are doing. We believe it's making a difference in our communities. One of the things we do is travel to the reservations for recruitment purposes in North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Nebraska, Wyoming, Minnesota, Wisconsin. On our way here to Milwaukee for this conference, we stopped and visited at the Oneida Nation okay. and all along the way. But we believe in what we're doing. As we're visiting, we see our graduates out there in mm-hmm. Indian communities and making a difference. We have some real leaders that are nurses that are are building um, recreation areas for the Special Diabetes Project. They're building and designing clinics in different mm. Indian communities. It's really amazing what some of our graduates are doing. And we're just so proud of all of them. Well, that's tremendous. So you gave us a number earlier. 
and that number that I've written down, 701 area code, 777-3049, is that just for those who are thinking about nursing? If you want just general information, we'll be happy to answer questions about anything at the University of North Dakota. Our program is part of the College of Nursing and Professional Discipline, so that that department does include nursing, social work, and nutrition and dietetics as well. Okay. What I also liked about what you shared, Barb, you know, some people say, well, I want to go into a healthcare career, but I'm not sure that nursing is the best for me. Like you said, the world in the healthcare arena is wide open when you've got a nursing degree. And I even know some of my classmates in the School of Medicine, they ended up starting with nursing, and they had a great background to go on into medicine. Others, like you said, we actually had uh, earlier in this show, we had Bob Parrish. He's a registered nurse who's done a lot with addiction counseling mm-hmm. and making a difference in Native Absolutely. communities that There's way. Absolutely. There's different avenues you could go into once you have your BSN. You could go into the different our nursing tracks of psych mental health or GERO, anesthesia. I'm trying to think of the others. There's a lot out there. Yes. And not only that, there's we also have an excellent online program for those nurses who have an associate's degree, uh-huh. a two-year RN degree with their RN licensure. The RN to BSN program is all online, wow. and it's 31 credits, so uh-huh. you can finish, if you depending, if you go part-time or full-time, you can finish within two years on a part-time basis. You need to have your licensure and have um, the prerequisites met, mm-hmm. but it's an excellent program as well. So if you have your two-year degree, as have your RN license, RN to BSN is all online. Well, we got to talk more about this. Barb is staying by. We're going to come back with a final segment of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Don't go away. A lot more life-changing information to come in our final segment. Stay tuned. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand, and someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, 
Doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose here. We're speaking with Barb Anderson. Barb is the coordinator for a program called RAIN, Recruitment and Retention of American Indians into Nursing. It's a program based at the University of North Dakota. And Barb's been telling us that really uh, there are no excuses not to pursue your dream. It's our philosophy. To be a registered nurse. And there are people to help you at the University of North Dakota. One of the first questions I have as we open up this segment, Barb, is we talked a little bit about perhaps this challenging transition from some parts of the country to a North Dakota winter. Have you actually had a lot of people from outside your state come through the program? Yes, we have. We had one student from White River, Arizona. And when she came, when she first started, she would be all bundled up from head to toe and barely see out of her, her her hat on her head that she had, and she was cold. But after one winter, she got acclimated to it, and she's actually, I think she finished her BSN and now is working on her master's degree online. Okay, So she does deal. really well. Yes, we have students who, we said it makes you stronger. You know the saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So <laughs> if you can survive North Dakota winters, you can do anything. Well, now, because you brought up the subject, how many students have you actually lost because of the winter? I mean, I'm speaking, you know, physical casualties. None. Oh, good. This is reassuring. Absolutely none. You stay indoors. We have tunnels you could walk through so you don't get too cold. And I I bet some of them even take up some winter sports, huh? Absolutely. Cross-country skiing is real fun. You could do that. I I enjoy that. And we have excellent, well, People may have heard UND has excellent hockey program. Okay. So that's a good pastime for people to watch hockey, and uh-huh. we do very well. I think we were national champions, I okay. think, in Division One. I'm not a hockey fan, which is that's okay. unusual we for Grand Forks, but, <laughs> but we, we do very well in hockey, and we have an arena for um, football as well. I think our football team did very well last year as well. Okay. I think we had four sports that we were national champions in. Oh, wow. Yeah, last year. Okay, so University of North Dakota. We said that no one should be reluctant to get more information. You're there to help your team. Absolutely. And if someone is even thinking about nursing or a healthcare career, Correct. you'll help them out. Let's talk about some real-life stories, people that you've seen over the years. Does anyone come to mind who really inspires you about the kind of work that you're doing, the kind of impact it can have on students? Well, I have one student that I recall who came to us when she had two very young children, toddlers, Uh and she had two more while she was in the nursing program, actually finished her degree. She Mm -hmm. went home and she worked until her children were older. She came back and received a master's degree. And after she finished the master's degree, while she was doing the master's program, she took some courses on 
Indian law and different law courses. Wow. Uh -huh. So this young woman with four children finishing her master's degree decided she wanted to go to law school. Wow. Yes, she was accepted to both North Dakota and I believe University of New Mexico. Uh -huh. And she took New Mexico because of the nicer climate. But <laughs> she did finish her law degree and went back and worked in her tribal community as really? a judge for a number of years. Wow. Yes. Yeah, and she started in the RAIN program. She started at university, yes. Wow. So basically, you don't know where your path is going to take you if you're thinking about uh, a nursing degree. We have two nurses who started through the Special Diabetes Project for Indians mm -hmm. um, on a local American Indian community in North Dakota, a whole recreational facility to help address mm. for exercise. And there was nothing for the people there. And they have this whole facility. It was a remodeled dilapidated gymnasium, I believe, okay. um, from a school that was, I think, a Catholic school at one point in time uh -huh. on the reservation. And they took that and they learned to be contractors almost. Oh, and wow. Yes, they developed this whole program. It's absolutely wonderful. It's made such a difference for the people there. There's somewhere for them to go to exercise. They do classes on diabetes and they do just educational aspects of the whole program for youth through adults. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, yeah, just amazing young women. You know, one of the other really important things in public health is collaboration. Absolutely. And you've shared with us already how many different partners you've had with the RAIN program. I mean, you've just mentioned some of them. Right. But I've often thought that one of the most valuable things that happens in an educational setting are just the collegial relationships you build. And with you drawing people from really all over the country, especially from the Northern Plains, yes. when a student comes to your program and when they bond with those other Native American students, they're developing connections and relationships that they'll carry into their professional life. Absolutely. Lifelong friendships are formed and you, they keep in touch now more than ever with Facebook and all those things mm -hmm. out there that I don't quite understand, but <laughs> they have all of that. But our program, the, the RAIN program with two other programs on campus, the Indians into Medicine program, which I was a part of for 22 years, mm -hmm. which was established at UND in 1973, addresses healthcare needs of American Indians. They work with our medical school. They also have support services for our physical therapists, occupational therapy, and those are all programs at UND. The, um, that program in med and the RAIN program and a program called Inside, which is Indians into Doctoral Psychology Program. Wow. We are the Quentin and Burdick Indian Health Programs funded by Indian Health Service to help more American Indians into the different health career paths. Now, as I'm talking with you, Barb, I mean, it just sounds like you and your team have such a wealth of insight into training opportunities in Indian country that if there is a, a student, prospective student listening today, if there's a family member, it, it just seems like it would behoove them to pick up the phone and call. Absolutely. Because you can help them, can't we you? We can. We can take, you know, take baby steps. That's another I learned from my boss. Um, baby steps is what you need to take. You know, pick up the phone, ask the questions you need. And maybe not necessarily in nursing. If you just have a question about coming into a university, if you're a young person, if you're in high school, maybe a senior in high school. Uh, junior in high school, anytime in high school, start thinking about it and just, you know, make a commitment to yourself. I said when I was growing up on the reservation in Turtle Mountain, no one told me you should go to college. And, mm. you know, I had no role models. Well, my sister was older than me and she went to college, but there weren't a lot of Native people going to college when mm -hmm. I was a young person. And I always said it's just a matter of, well, I'm going to go. And I didn't know what I was going to do, but you take the first step and just make that decision and take next step after that. Well, what do I need to do to get into college? And mm -hmm. what does that mean? What does it cost? Where would I go? What 
area do I want to go into? And you can find those answers now. Again, with Internet, there's a lot of research you could do just online. Give us the number again for those who may be just joining us. How does someone get a hold of you and your team? Our prospective um, student advisor's telephone number is 701-777-3049. You can look at our website at www.nursing.und.edu slash rain, R-A-I-N. Okay, let me see if I got this. This is... uh... I want to make sure we've got this correct. So we got the number down. It's area code 701-777-3049. But that website seemed to go by pretty quickly. Just give it to us one more time. www.nursing.und.edu. Okay. So nursing, because it's the School of Nursing. Correct. Dot UND for University of North Dakota. Correct. Dot EDU slash rain, just like the rain that falls from the sky. That's right. Okay, I think we got it. And uh, basically, anyone who contacts you, you're there to really help Native, I want to, you know, I say young people, but anyone who's right. from First Nation background who wants to get some health care training, whether it's medicine or physical therapy, you don't have that expertise in your department, but you could point people Absolutely. in the right direction. That's right. We have connections and part of the Quentin and Burdick Indian Health Programs. We know people who know people. Finances, you mentioned this. And I know some people never take that next step because they say, I just can't afford it. I'm from a poorer tribe. We don't have a lot of resources at a tribal level to help. I don't have them personally. Is that a reason for someone not to inquire? Absolutely not. The fir- every student in the United States of America has access to a FAFSA, which is a free application for federal student aid. It is required for every institution in the country, and that will determine your financial aid eligibility, including possibly a Pell Grant, mm. which is a federal grant. It's not mm. anything you pay back. It will also determine eligibility for any financial aid at the school you want to go to. It's FAFSA. Have you seen a lot of students uh, not able to pursue their dreams because of financial problems? Yes, that's very definitely a, a roadblock for students, but there are, again, ways around that. Um, okay. Our program has some funding available for pre-nursing students, and once you're in the nursing program, we do have the federal grants. And also, um, I should mention, our college itself has a scholarship for disadvantaged students, which was awarded the College of Nursing and Professional Disciplines. It's a five-year grant, and that's for any student that qualifies under the definition of the Health Resources Services Administration disadvantaged status. It could be a first-generation college student, someone from diverse background. It's Mm -hmm. not just for American Indians, that that particular scholarship. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone who maybe graduated from, I think it's like small town of 500 or less of your town, graduated, and that's any student who meets that criteria qualified. Well, Barb, our time has just about slipped away. We're so glad that you were able to uh, take time out of your busy schedule here at NCAI and join us. Once more, that phone number, if you want to talk with Barb or her team, 701-777-3049, or you can reach them on the web at nursing.und.edu. We've got to run. For all of us at American Indian Living, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.